Welcome to episode 39 of the Leadership in Context podcast with Keith Tusi. Grace is not divine slack. Grace is God's divine empowerment. This is Leadership in Context, a conversation on leadership in the context of the local church. For show notes, email podcast at innerpastors.com. And now here's Keith Tusi. We've been talking about Jesus, the great high priest from the book of Hebrews, specifically in relationship to some of the misthinking that is in the hyper-grace movement, especially that's being uh, publicized from the vantage point of that we should dishitch ourselves or unhook ourselves from the Old Testament. I want to read from Hebrews 10, uh, because I think this really puts things in perspective, and I think we forget these things are in the Bible. Remember, the book of Hebrews was written to the Hebrew believers of the day to help them understand what part of the law, and that means the sacrificial law and the ceremonial law that were fulfilled in Christ, but the moral law, the civil law, the criminal law, the applications of law still stand. Here's how I like to put it. In the Abrahamic law, we were given the promise. In the Mosaic law, we were given the process. This is how you prosper. And in the Jesus covenant, in the new covenant, we were given the power. So the Mosaic law gives us the process of applying the principles that teach us how to prosper as a people and as a society. And I'm, when I'm talking about prospering, I'm not just talking about financially. I'm talking about prospering as a people, as a culture. And when you remove the Mosaic Law, the way we relate to people, the way we deal with people, whether good or bad, the way we govern ourselves, etc., then we are doing a great disservice to the full counsel of God. But let me read to you from Hebrews 10. Verse 26, for if we go on sinning willfully after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. Now he's specifically dealing with the fact that if they reject the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, there is no other sacrifice that can be applied to them. But a terrifying expectation of judgment and the fury of a fire which will consume the adversaries. Anyone who sets aside the law of Moses dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much severer punishment do you think he will deserve who has trampled underfoot the Son of God and is regarded as unclean the blood of the covenant by which he has sanctified and has insulted the Spirit of grace? For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of a living God. Now listen, if we're going to preach the benefits and the abundance of grace, which we absolutely must, we also must preach the responsibility of the hearer in the call to obedience and the consequences of disobedience. Grace is not divine slack. Grace is God's divine empowerment, and we need to be assured of these things. So that, as he says in verse 39, that we do not shrink back uh, to destruction, but we have faith that goes toward the preserving of the soul. Now remember, Hebrews 11 is probably the most... 
uh, read or the most quoted or the most known uh, passage in the book of Hebrews, and that talks about all the heroes of faith, what we call uh, the hall of faith. And why is that there? It is there to show us that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's in Hebrews 13, of course. But it shows us how that God is consistent in his nature, and God is consistent in his character, and that God does not change, and that we should be a people that also are steadfast and that we do not change. Chapter 12 tells us that we're surrounded by these cloud of witnesses and that we should, because of that, that we should fix our eyes on Jesus, who is the author, and he's the finisher of our faith. So again, there's no time here where the writer of Hebrews says, you know all that stuff in the Old Testament that really doesn't count anymore? There's really nothing to learn from that? Far be it. There's more than statutes and codes and laws and principles. What we can learn from the book of Hebrews is that God revealed his character to us and through us through his writings and the history and the prophets and the law of the Old Testament. These are critical things that we must really know. And again, jumping up to Hebrews 13, you know, this admonition in verse 8, that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now think of the context that this is written. And if you take that verse out of context, it's still, quite frankly, very powerful and wonderful. But it's in the context of God, uh, through his writer of Hebrews, speaking to these Hebrew believers and reminding them that God is assistance is consistent, excuse me. He says after that verse, verse 8 and verse 9, do not be carried away by varied and strange teachings, for it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by foods through which we were so occupied were not benefited. So there he's saying, listen, don't get caught up in that. That was all ceremonial stuff about cleansing, and we should not have to, you know, be... Uh, attributing our sanctification to that process and that we need to uh, obey not only the word of God, but we should be listening to verse 17, obey your leaders and submit to them for they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with grief for this would be unprofitable for you. So the book of Hebrews has a lot of very meaty stuff about Christian living. It doesn't just say, well, you're under grace now, you do whatever you want, you come and go as you please. Uh, Actually, uh, far from that. You know, the passage I read to you in Hebrews 10, if you go back the verses before that, uh, verse 23 says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promises faithful. And then it says, Let us consider how to stimulate or provoke, the King James says, one another to love and good deeds. Look at verse 25. Not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. Then he goes on and says, For if you go on sinning willfully after receiving knowledge of truth, there remains no longer a sacrifice for sin. One of the connotations here that we have to understand is that if we're not assembling, we're sinning. 
That's in the Bible. That's in the book of Hebrews. In other words, if the body of Christ is not good enough for you, what we would call the mystical or the practical body of Christ, the church, then he's saying, how can you say that the body of Christ, the real body, the resurrected body that he's speaking of here in the book of Hebrews is good enough for you? Again, you know, we can read through this stuff real quick, but to the Jewish mind, the Hebrew mind who is well-educated in the scripture, there are so many quotations and partial quotations and references that they were very clear on these things. If there would have been any teaching by the apostles that the Old Testament should have been dropped, none of these kind of conflicts would have even existed. Rather, they were trying to work this out. They were trying to apply it. How does this work now? How do we still honor the fathers? How do we still honor the prophets? How do we still apply the the precepts that Moses gave us, but yet we don't apply sacrifices? We don't esteem certain things like we did before. Well, the answer is because Jesus fulfilled those things for us so that we could have a way to God. And because we have a way to God, now we live in obedience to the word of God, not because we want to be accepted by God, but because we are accepted already by God through Jesus Christ. Hey, this is Keith Tusi. It's been good to be with you for these couple lessons, these times together talking about how to apply the word of God. I want to encourage you to Read through the book of Hebrews. It's very enlightening, and you'll see so many applications for the present-day dilemmas that we're in. Lord bless you. Thank you so much. Today, Keith continued the discussion on the book of Hebrews. God revealed his character to us through his writings, the history, the prophets, and the law of the Old Testament. God is consistent in his nature and consistent in his character. Thanks for listening this week to another episode of Leadership in Context with Keith Tusi. Join us next week as Keith continues to put leadership truths in the context of the local church. As always, subscribe, like, rate, and share our podcast. For show notes or to ask Keith a question, email podcast at innerpastors.com. If you would like more information, check out our website, innerpastors.com. Make sure you follow us on Facebook and Instagram at NR Pastors. See you next week.